Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. Find your comedic voice, and now we have the tools where you can make your own comedy and send it to Russia, you know, in a second. Whereas in the 90s, I couldn't do that. There was no YouTube. There was no podcasting. The only people who could see me were the people live in the theater. It's not that way anymore. So we have the freedom now to make our own. You read the bios at the Just for Laughs. A lot of these people have just have done that. They've just made their own thing. So you need training. You need to be around other people. So I'm not saying stay alone in your apartment because I've also seen those people bomb. <laughs> but uh, we, we have the freedom to do whatever we want now. Comedy is really affordable to make where it didn't used to be. There doesn't need to be gatekeepers anymore. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Hope you're having a great week. I know I am. And if you're not having a great week, my mother always said this expression that always meant something to me. She said, it's always darkest before the dawn. So just know that even if it's tough this week, it's going to get better. And as your grandparents used to tell you, this too shall pass. Have a great episode today with UCB co-founder Matt Besser, great actor, great sketch performer, great improviser, great creator, great producer. Before I get started, I just want to thank you guys so much for coming to the podcast, for subscribing, for turning it on to your friends. Truly, this could never happen without you. And even though I hoped that this podcast would be something that would be beneficial and that people would enjoy and I stayed positive about it. I truly could never imagine that it could be the way it is and that is solely and universally on all of your shoulders and I thank you very, very much. 
you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Twitter or Instagram, or you can reach me on Facebook or LinkedIn or at the website barrycats.com. If you can, just press the follow button or subscribe. It really helps. And I would be very grateful. And as I look at Matt Besser, I see a guy who really, really gutted it out with something that he loved. A guy who spent almost every waking hour of the night at a different sketch or improv show or any kind of comedy show to be in a position where he could learn the craft. He not only put in his 10,000 hours, but multiply that by 10. I'm sure this guy's put in 100,000 hours. And that's why he's an expert in this craft. He's one of the most well-respected people in improv and sketch. And not only that, flex the muscle over to the next lane, which was acting and comedy and producing and directing and running the UCB and being in a position where he could teach others and pay it forward, opening up new theaters in New York as well as Los Angeles. A guy who's done hour specials, a guy who's done improv specials, a guy who's worked with some of the greatest and most respected artists in comedy of our generation, all because he put in the time, he put it in to what he was passionate about. And for anybody listening out there, that's what it's all about. Whatever profession you're in, you gotta put in the time. Don't be afraid to get out there. You might not think that what's happening that particular night is valuable, but it is valuable and it adds up. You know how they say that cigarettes take days off your life every time you smoke them? Well, whatever you're doing in whatever profession that you're passionate about, every day that you go in to a comedy club or if you're a lawyer and you sit in that courtroom, whatever it is you do, it adds days to your career. It adds more and more. It helps you become more respected, more sought after, more hireable, and earns you more money and more respect than you could ever imagine. And I think it's a simple thing to think about, but it's very hard to execute because we all make excuses. We all build evidence for why things aren't the way they are. But I tell you something, if you can figure out a way to be really passionate about something and put the time in over and over and over and over and over again, repetition, 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 I can guarantee you, if you're doing that with your passion and you're really putting the work in, you'll have the possibility of the kind of career that Matt Besser has. 
Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Don't you think that you, the point guard, and the other, the forward, and the shooting guard, and the center, center on your team of the UCB, don't you think anybody in your company would say, hey, I think you guys deserved to make more than zero for your work in this place? You would think. <laughs> I don't think most people care or consider what other people are making unless they're trying to pat themselves on the back and complaining about it or something. But but I don't think people worry about me. I don't think the guy selling the water in the concession stand and the M&Ms should be making more than the guy who fucking created oh, yeah. the use. That's CD. true. That's a very true fact that there's hundreds of people who have made more money than I have off the ECB. That's without I mean, question. If you were on the outside looking into another venture, I could argue that you've spent 30,000 hours working on making this organization, one of the most respected comedy organizations in the world. And the thought that you have not made $1 from 30,000. If you saw another company in another business and they said, hey, I put 30,000 hours into this. And I haven't made anything. You'd say, what the fuck is wrong with you? I know. And that's maybe a bugaboo of my own career is, you know, last night I uh, I shot the the stand-up show here, the, the one that goes on TV that John Doerr hosts. Um, and as I think they came up with our intros, as people are getting intro, I was like, oh, I never gave them an intro. So I guess they just wrote everyone's intros. And as per usual, my intro was, ladies and gentlemen, and they mentioned my podcast, but they more often will say, co-founder of the UCB Theater, Matt Besser, co-founder like I'm like I might as well be introduced as the principal ladies and gentlemen the principals and come up here and read some of his poetry like that's the way I feel I'm like what's a co-founder like UCB was a sketch group I'd much rather have that be my uh, I was on Comedy Central for three years why why is the theater I'm not going to come up here and tell you about my our business prospectus. You know, I'm going to do comedy. So that co-founder does. That is how I'm perceived, but I don't like that. Like that's like I said, that wasn't my dream. That's not that's not what I come. I don't wake up in the morning and think I'm going to the joy from the days and come from my theater, the joy from the days and come from creating comedy. And that's the joy I get from my theater is creating comedy by my uh for my own purposes or helping other people find their voice i do enjoy that i'll go and give notes to a herald show i'm not getting anything out of it i'm not getting money i'm not 
I just like the joy of it. I like, I like comedy. I like analyzing it. I like talking about, it. I like doing shows like this. I do like talking about comedy. So, uh, but I don't take pride in being a founder near as much as I'm much more proud in my podcast than being a founder, you know, cause that's my comedy. Um, so we've all treated it like a hobby all these years. Like the theater is not our business. It's not our main focus. It's just this hobby for better, or for worse. And sometimes it's for worse and you lose a theater and you go and people are like, what's your guys problems? How could you be so inept to lose a theater? It's like, well, it's not our number one focus. We're all being comedians and we've hired people to do this for us. And if the people we hire fail, then, oh, well, our hobby's not doing well now and we'll try to make it do better. If you took all the performers that made it to the ASCAT show throughout the years and you were to total up all the money that they spend in classes to get to the point where they were ready for that show, mm -hmm. what would the average be if you had to guess to go through training to get to the point where they are going to be functioning and great in that show? Oh, okay. I don't know. Our class is 450 for eight weeks. You have to do at least four levels to audition for a Herald team. So you could spend $2,000 and get into the system or, but more likely you're not going to completely get it and, four levels and want to take some other classes so i think that's reasonable i thought it was much more well it it depends how much you want to do like some people can be frustrated not getting on a herald team and take classes for years and in fact we that's why we started the academy is because we thought not trying to but we were leading people on in a way by not telling people at a certain point we don't think you're going to make it to the next level so that's why we started the academy i forget what our exact rules are but i think now it's like you can only take fourth level twice whereas it used to be you could take it a hundred times if you wanted to but now it's like we don't want to lead people on so it's after twice you have to audition for academy if you get an academy you're pretty much being told you have a chance to make it here in improv by getting into the academy. So we're, I keep saying leading on. We're, we're not, we're not, uh, what's another way to say that? We're not making people think that they can succeed where we already don't think they can. Um, so that would be someone spending a lot of money, would be just taking classes over and over again and they never get on. But now it's, it's like it is, <clears throat> it is a little more finite uh, path to the Herald system. Um, but also we can have someone get recommended after level two. It, like we were talking about Neil Flynn earlier. Like if someone just is popping and people are like, Oh, you got to put her on a team. We'll do it. So it just depends. It, it really depends. You're a visionary. Thank you, Barry. Stick a point guard. Okay. Where do you see <laughs> the future? of the UCB. What I see from afar was to form like a production company to where they're pitching television shows under the UCB banner and film a UCB television series, UCB podcast network. I saw that, but now after you explained it, I don't see it that way. So what do you see as the future of the UCB in 10 years? And where do you think 
how do you think the digital team could be improved and how do you think the whole process could be improved in the future? Well, we did have a digital team and that was part of our financial troubles is the bottom fell out on branded video a couple of years ago, like, you know, and funny or die and everybody. Uh, and we did have it going when it was hot and everyone was selling branded videos. We were too and making money off that. And, and that was working for everybody. But then the bottom fell out of that for everybody like two years ago, right? And we kept our digital team on and we were just fighting the forces of change. And we eventually had to lay everybody off uh, this summer. And that was part of some financial difficulties we went through was just coming to terms with that. Of We can't fight that people aren't buying branded content as much as they were five years ago. So... We have pitch shows. What we found out is we're not putting sitcoms on our stage. So we don't have an expertise in sitcoms or movies per se. What we have an expertise in is sketch and improv. Um, so we haven't gotten the respect of UCB's coming to pitch you a sitcom. It's like, well, they've never made a sitcom before. So we don't have that reputation we have the reputation of building talent and building writers and every writer's room is filled with ucb people and the cast filled with ucb people so we feel like your writer's room and your cast are filled with it why can't you trust us to pitch you sitcom so we feel we have the ability but we don't have that reputation yet um back to the improv and sketch that's that's another bugaboo of mine. Why is there not improv on television? That's been a constant, especially now with all the streaming stuff happening, all the people needing uh, let more content and less money to spend on it. What better, more affordable uh, stand-ups taking advantage of that? Why can't we do that with improv? So that... That's my pitch to the industry right now. Let's let's put good improv on TV or streaming or what have you. Uh, and I, I think that should be the future of the UCB is, is to lead that. Well, certainly you had to pitch a UCB hour special. A million times. We have done specials. We've had uh, ASCAT as a special on Comedy Central. We had another ASCAT special, a completely different one on Bravo. Um but it's never been a series. And anytime I've pitched around, people keep trying to make it into the short form show. They want to put the, all the bells and whistles of the short form onto the long form. And we, and it's just a whole different thing and they don't get it. It's like, you're changing my show. You're making it into something it's not. And meanwhile, the short, the shows that are supposedly improv that get bought are usually foreign formats. It's like, here's a improv show from Japan or, or New Zealand or Denmark. And I'm like, that's like saying, here's some jazz from Russia. It's like, I'm from America where jazz was invented. I don't need any Russian jazz. You know, it's like, I came from the guy who invented improv. I don't need a format from Australia. Uh, and then these formats, <laughs> it's it's performers on a stage that's at an angle that'll continually get steeper and we're gonna throw soap suds do you guys remember that show it was like two years ago it was and it had our talent in it it had great improvisers in it do, uh, acting like buffoons 
act, it, it looked like when I go on vacation in in with all due respect to Italian comedy and I see their sketch comedy, I'm like, are these guys 30 years behind our comedy sensibility? What is happening here? This looks ridiculous. And when I, so when I see these formats, it's just, I'm getting upset here, but it's like, it's silly. It's childish. It's not good improv, but yet that's the show that tried to describe, I believe was on Fox. It's like, you guys took a chance on that because it was a success in another country. Whereas, I'm packing shows every night of the week with humans who enjoy comedy. Why can't that be on TV? And they'll say, they might say, well, with improv, you have to be there. Bullshit. With bad improv, you have to be there. I have an improv podcast. It is recorded. You don't have to be have been there in the studio to enjoy my podcast. There are people listening to my podcast I recorded in 2011, and it's still funny. So... That's a stupid sensibility, and that's what we're up against as improvisers. Also, I think development, or not development, but uh, creative execs, scripted execs, they want, they're used to reading a script every week and approving it and throwing it up the ladder and getting notes and, and taking it back to the showrunner with an improvised show. They can't do that. There's nothing to judge. They have to just, they have to pray that the comedy is going to be funny. So it's just... That's why they want to put the bells and whistles on it. That'll give them more confidence to put it on the air. So that's what we're up against. Uh, but I'm hoping there'll be some Apple or Amazon or Netflix will take a chance on something that is more pure and long form. So that is one of our more immediate goals. But this thing we're doing now, podcasting, is the most affordable form of uh, mass entertainment there's ever been since you and I have been alive, right? Like, like web videos were fun, but they're expensive and hard to produce. And if it didn't do well, you just invested a lot of money and it, it just went up into the ether. Whereas a podcast takes nothing. It's just the time you spent. Like there's no, like there's barely any infrastructure needed to put out your own podcast. And I think that's, uh, and of course, YouTube, you could say the same thing. A lot of things happening on YouTube now and that, that kind of thing. But th that's the future of comedy for everyone, not just for our theater. It's just finding, I know, I'm not I'm sure if I'm answering your question anymore, but I, I like looking at, I like looking at people. I'd rather look at a Doug Benson than a Kevin Hart, because there's only going to be so many Kevin Hart's. We all can't aim to have the amazing success of a Kevin Hart. But I look at a Doug Benson. He sees I, Doug. Lo, he loves movies. He loves smoking pot. You know, he's, he's found a way to sell two things that he really loves. And he, he has multiple things like that. He has a, I think like a cooking show or something, but I think that's the type of model comedians should go after these days. It's like, don't wait around for a network to say, to give you the thumbs up and don't make that your the the, the only thing that's going to make you happy and feel you have success is to to get on the old school model of uh getting on a sitcom or a star of the movie is only is going or snl that that's my success just, just find your comedic voice and now we have the tools where you can make your own comedy and send it to Russia, you know, in a second. Uh, 
Whereas in the 90s, I couldn't do that. There was no YouTube. There was no podcasting. The only people who could see me were the people live in the theater. It's not that way anymore. So we have the freedom now to make our own. You read the bios at the Just for Laughs. A lot of these people have just have done that. They've just made their own thing. So you need training. You need to be around other people. So I'm not saying stay alone in your apartment. Because I've also seen those people bomb. <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like... We, we have the freedom to do whatever we want now. Comedy's really affordable to make where it didn't used to be. There doesn't need to be gatekeepers anymore. Take us way, way back where you grew up. The social economic dynamic was financially in the family and the neighborhood. And what was your first inspiration to getting into this crazy business? Um, so I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, my dad, both my parents have passed, but my dad was really funny, had a really dry sense of humor, was known for being a funny guy, um, sometimes to his detriment, like he would fuck with people. And if he had some booze in him, he might piss people off, which passed along to me too. My mom wasn't like that at all. She was just a saint. She's just a rainbow of a personality. Um, so I think I got my comedy from my dad, I guess I'm saying. Uh, he was Jewish. My mom, or Jewish uh, in background, and my mom Christian in background. Uh, and their their marriage, uh, when they got married, uh, that was hard on the, my Christian grandparents because they had prejudice against Jews. You got to realize the times. Uh, so I had a hatred of religion because of that growing up and that kind of for my personality too because that was kind of the most tumultuous part of our family I think was that um, socioeconomic I, I I grew up thinking that my uh, my parents were upper middle class after my dad passed away a million dollars in debt I found out he had been juggling credit cards and loans his whole life like a madman so I was a little <laughs> Uh, uh, misled about that. He was an investment banker in the in the eighties, if that says anything. Um, but uh, what else? Oh, but but probably more to your point or your question. When I was growing up, I was under the impression that you had to like all comedians and rock and rollers, and they're all born in New York or L.A. Like comedians didn't come from Arkansas. It, it, it didn't occur to me as a kid that that was a possibility. It just, it just felt like you had to be born in Hollywood. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my blueprint for success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far 
that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Hey, everybody, and I wanted to thank some of the sponsors on the podcast, starting with AquaTrue. If you haven't bought this countertop water purification system, you have to do so. It's incredible. It turns tap water into your favorite bottled water instantly. It saves you thousands and thousands of dollars. It gets rid of all those plastic bottles that you have in your trash. Thousands and thousands of listeners have bought these. Everybody loves it. Not one complaint. It's incredible. I haven't bought a bottle of water in years since I got this, and you won't either. And if you go right now to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, you'll immediately get a $100 discount, a $100 discount, and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. I guarantee it. Lastly, the Air Doctor. I don't know what the air inside your house is like but the air inside my house it feels heavy at times before I got this product and now it got rid of all the bad air in my house the dust the pet hair the pollen it just gets rid of all the contaminants circulating through your home and for me when I got this product it was amazing the difference that I found in the air in my house and it's normally $600 and you can check Amazon right now and you'll see but for all of you listening today, I can offer you $300 off. $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com and type in the promo code Barry. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry, and save $300 and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. What were you watching that inspired you or what happened to inspire you? I wasn't inspired till I got to college. Like I, I was, all, I was, you know, same thing. I was the class clown. Uh, but that never made me think I'm the, cl- I'm the funniest guy in the class. I want to make it. I never thought about that. I wanted to be an investment banker, go into advertising that the, I think by the time I went to college, I was like, I'm going to go into advertising. And that, that's where I thought my humor would come out. Right. But then I went to college and I started doing a radio show, uh, a punk radio show, and talking in between the records became lot more part of the show than the actual songs. And people were calling in telling me how funny I was. I'd never experienced that before. I, all of a sudden I had fans. Hey, this is Heath from Vermont, man. I loved your show this week. I'm like it's tickling your ego. That's what makes you, I think want to become a performer. And I was like, Oh man, I'm funny. And people are telling me I'm funny. And then there was this stand up contest. I went to school in Amherst college. There's this, uh, stand up contest. I grew up in long meadow. Oh yeah. How far away is that? Long meadow is between Springfield and the Connecticut line. Okay. On route 91. You're just, yeah. Okay. So you know, you know, my 30 mile radius then, uh, but uh, there was a contest at UMass when I was a senior in the winter, got to go to Jamaica for spring break or something. So that's the only reason we did it. It was like, let's go get high in Jamaica. But my friend and I, who's also funny and now is a very successful sitcom writer, we uh, 
both did the contest. We'd never been on stage before, obviously never done stand up before. It was at UMass in front of like 2000 people. So the, the first blue wall, I don't remember the name of the place, but it was like 2000 people. So it was, it was a huge auditorium. So imagine your first time on stage in front of 2000 people. It's fucking nuts. That's not most people's experience. I was so nervous. I was stuttering. My hands were shaking. I could, could not adjust the microphone stand because I'd never even probably touched a microphone stand at that point. And, but I killed because people thought I was being like Bobcat Goldthwait. I was like going, but I wasn't doing it on purpose, but people thought I was just doing this really funny character. And my act, I was like, I had the script of my act in my head and I was like skipping around and I probably just came off like a non sequitur mess, but I killed everyone up there. Probably had never been on stage before. So of, of the people had never been on stage, I arguably did the best in front of 2000. And once you have that many people laugh at you, you're like, this is what I want to do. Side note, Judd Apatow was the MC that night and he was a nobody too. He was probably two years into doing stand up himself. And there was a, a review written of that show that I kept and I didn't realize Judd was, it was many years later, like probably 15 years later, I, I reread the review and I'm like, they misspelled his name, Judd Apatow. I'm like, that was Judd. And I talked to him about that. I'm like, Judd, do you remember this? He's like, oh yeah, I did that Sticklets tour or whatever. I'm like, holy fuck, you emceed the first time I was on stage. So what is the difference in philosophy between the Groundlings, Second City, and the UCB company and the approach to the craft of improvisation? If we're considered the big three, um, I think there are... Th distinct skills and focuses maybe of, of the three second city has classically been their number one thing is not improv. And that, that was a feud, even a philosophical feud back in the day was second, the leader of second city, Bernie Son said improv cannot be its own art form. And Del Close said, yes, it can. So that was the classic Chicago feud. Um, they used improv as a tool to build sketch. So that's the philosophy of Second City. The philosophy of the Improv Olympic and, be, and became our philosophy is, is improv can indeed be its own art form. Um, and we will also use that art form to build sketch, but we think it is worthy of its own performance. Um, and then I'd say Groundlings, even though they do... Uh, both sketch and improv, I would say their focus is more on, on character and, uh, building individual characters. And I'm speaking in broad sweeping strokes here, but, but, I, but my guess would be if you saw a sketch at the Groundlings versus a sketch at the second city, it would be more character focused at, at the Groundlings. And at UCB, you know, whereas at, at Second City and Groundlings, they have a main stage company. So the structure is kind of a pyramid where there's not a lot of room at the top since there is a main stage. We don't we don't have a main stage and we have four 
at least four shows a night and they're every show has a different cast and a different theme and one show could be stand up the next show could be sketch the next show could be improv whereas at the groundlings in second city they're doing the same show with the same cast every night and it's it's everyone's uh, goal i would imagine is to get on that main cast whereas that's not the goal at our theater it's just uh find your voice in your own slot versus aiming for some sweet spot one Uno, dos two three son, cuatro five cinco six six degrees of separation six degrees of separation i'm yeah. gonna mention some names just tell me what comes to your mind owen wilson <laughs> I did a scene with Owen and Kevin Hart, and this is before Kevin Hart was anybody. I mean, he was just like me. Uh, so that was pretty weird. What I do remember from that, I, I assume Owen won't be listening to this, but I remember we impro- we were in a pawn shop or something in the scene, and they let us improvise the first take. Usually you don't get to improvise the first take. It's usually like the third take. But Kevin and I had the best time and we thought it was, it was like cut and we were laughing. We're like, oh, that was fucking funny. And Owen Wilson walks into the end of the scene basically. And I don't know what he does. Ask some, some info from us. I saw him whispering to the director's ear something, Owen Wilson, after the take. And, the, and then the director is like, can you guys not do all that improv and basically not be so funny? So that's my experience with Owen Wilson. <laughs> um, Amy Poehler. Okay. Well, she's in the UCB4 with me. So a- Amy was... Who are the UCB4 for our audience? To- Ian Roberts, uh, Amy, and Matt Walsh and I. And the UCB existed before those four, Adam McKay, Neil Flynn were in it uh we had a few different people in it before but by the time we were focused and ready to make it to a sketch show and moved to new york it was just amy ian and walsh and i um but yeah what, what can i say i i talk to amy just about every week so it doesn't feel like an owen wilson situation <laughs> bernie mac bernie mac he he inspired he barely would know, you know, if his ghost was asked and said, do you remember Matt Bester? I'm sure he would not. But when I was in Chicago starting stand-up, he, he was a legend at that point, not in the United States, but in Chicago. He was the MC of a place called the, the Cotton Club, which was the, the, the best, like, black stand-up club in the town at that point. And I worked with him one night when I was just starting sets back then it was usually like the opener did 20 the middle did 30 and the closer did 45 and this night it was just Bernie and I and it was in a lounge at Midway Airport a fucking lounge at Midway Airport not even O'Hare Midway Airport in Chicago Bernie Mac and I there were only two people in the audience I went up on stage and I cleared half the room. (laughs) Bernie Mac walked up to the one guy in the audience, stood in front of his table and did a 45 minute set that killed with the one guy in the audience. 
I'm about to cry, but, uh, but Bernie basically said to me that night in so many words, um, it doesn't matter how many people are in the audience. You always give them your best show. And I'm getting upset here because, uh, when he, when he then started his show, the Bernie Mac show, which was years later, I went into the audition. Can't believe I'm crying here. Um, and, uh, it was one of my first auditions too for a sitcom and he's and I auditioned and he gave me the role right there and that's just not done it's not even good protocol to go okay you got it you're supposed to hear later you know and I couldn't believe it um and it was on the pilot for a show as a character called Mr. Cooley and uh so he gave me my first break too like he doesn't he didn't even like when i walked into the audition i went hey bernie you probably don't remember me but i did midway airport and i told him that story and he goes yeah i remember and i don't know if he really did or he was just being cool but uh but he gave me my he taught me that light that comedy lesson and then he gave me my first big break so he means so much to me I can't believe I'm crying. It's so weird. I haven't thought about it in a long time. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business, I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Your proudest moment in show business. It, it's weird because, like, even last night when I when I, I think before we started the podcast, where I, I was saying, you know, most people when they get flown up here, they they need to do these seven minute or eight minute sets for the TV show, and that's pretty much how they pay for your trip. I don't usually. That's not really my thing. Doing seven minute sets for TV shows. That's not really my purvey. But I was like, I. I I, I considered it a challenge a little bit. I'm like, all right, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to try to figure this out. And then we went and did a warm up set. Everybody gets to do warm up sets. And everyone, I, I would have to say, did pretty sweaty warm up sets. I think everyone did kind of B minus sets, including myself. And we were all in the green room going, oh, I don't know about that. So we were all, I think, a little nervous about the taping based on our, on our warm up sets. But then when I was at the taping last night and watching the other comedians and thinking about the first thing I was going to say when I came out there, I was like, I got to improvise to start. Like if I start with my written material, I'm not going to do as well. 
So I was like, I'm just going to kind of, ro- I'm going to try to Robin Williams this when I, when I hit the stage and I did. And I, I made fun of the set a lot. Uh, and it became like the first two minutes of my seven minute set basically was improvising and I killed, I did great. And then I launched into my written material and it did well because I'm pretty sure because of the adjustment I made. So I had a lot of pride in it. I even after the show, I called my wife. It's like, I've done a billion sets in my life, but I call my wife. And I'm like, I killed. I'm like, I don't usually call my wife. And I'm not saying last night was my proudest moment, but I, I would say to any comedian, look for moments like that of like, take a challenge, make the adjustment. And when it works, you, you feel pride and you're like, ah, oh, I figured it out. Now, if you're really asking my history pride, it might be when the UCB played Aspen and we killed and then got signed by Comedy Central the next day. Like that, that was, that was life changing. And we, I can say we did the best that night we were the best and you knew it and you, you felt it and everything, every sketch work, every line worked afterwards. You feel, you know, I use the word undeniable a lot, like aim to be undeniable in the standup world. What that means is you can't follow me. Um, and in the sketch world, I I think it just means like you can't deny every fucking bit worked motherfuckers sign us. And we, we kind of put in my mind, we pushed comedy central into a corner. I don't even know if they would have signed us otherwise, but we so obviously had done the best that night. They had to sign us. We were undeniable. So that there was a lot of pride in, of working that hard, getting to that moment. That's when the basketball metaphor comes back and you, you win the night, you know? Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. Well, I've already told you that, which is the the, the co-founder thing. It still it still fuels me. I don't like I said that happened last night. I was introduced as a co-founder. It bums me out, it, and that's why I try to get to the intro before the because invariably that's in the intro. But, so I, I usually try to say, please don't introduce me as a co-founder. I'd rather you say. Improv for humans. I'd rather you say colleges and clubs everywhere than co-founder, frankly. But that's really your biggest disappointment in show business and being called a co-founder. I think of it less as a disappointment, maybe, and more as a thorn in my side. But uh, uh, disappointment would be not getting ASCAT on TV, maybe. There was one point where we almost... It's... NBC was making us think it was going to be the show that followed uh, SNL and it, it, and everyone was making us think that and it was, we were right there, right there at the precipice and it didn't happen. And that was very disappointing, but I don't have moments like, Oh, I could have been on the office uh, or that kind of thing. I, I don't think I've had many of those kind of moments per se. I'm very frustrated. I think I've mentioned my things. I don't like being called co-founder and it frustrates me that improv can't make it on TV. What advice do you have for the young person who's growing up in a small town or a Southern town or wherever it might be? And they don't necessarily know which direction they're going in, how to get there, where to point in the right direction, but slowly find the way and navigate and have the kind of amazing career you've had. And then part two of that is let our audience know what is necessary of your makeup as a human being who wants to be 
one of the greatest people in your company that's ever been working as a team mm -hmm. with the other great people. Okay. It's easier than when I, like I said, there was no internet when I was a kid. You just read things in books, you know, that's how you found out about what was happening. So now you do have podcasts like yours. So there's, there's great, there's great advice out there. There's great content. If you're interested in, in improv, please listen to my podcast, Improv for Humans. You will get good examples of what good improv was versus when I was, I didn't even know what the word was, you know? So they at least have the stuff I can't stand, and I can't tell you how many times I hear this, when someone will graduate from Amherst College and as an alumni thing come to me, and the, every college has this, alumni go, or people go to alumni and say, how can you help get me help in this industry? How many times I'll ask them, like, I'll always ask, like, what shows have you seen? What show, what comedy shows you like on TV? What shows have you seen at the theater? What stand-ups do you like? And how unresearched these people sometimes are they'll be like oh i haven't seen many shows at your theater it's like you're asking me for help and you haven't seen many shows at my theater get the fuck out of my room I, when i was starting out i saw i was either on stage or watching a show every night of the week and i don't understand it when you don't have that mentality when you're starting out you have to be either on stage or watching a show every night of the week. And if you're not, then I don't think you have the passion for it because you should and shouldn't even be have to be told that really. It should just be in you to want to take it in, take in the osmosis back to the what do you say to the 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 kid in the southern town that actually meant a lot to me because I was that kid in the southern town and I have talked to the kids that I am doing that and they mean more to me than the kid in the southern California town um, because I understand and I will get I'm from a small town outside of Springfield whatever state and we don't have a comedy theater what should I do I've had that for years and you don't want to just say drop everything and move to LA that can't be the solution every time that we have a, an improv manual the UCB comedy improv manual we wrote that manual with the goal of you should be able to read this book without ever having seen improv and be able to get how to do improv and that's maybe why it's over 300 pages but that was a goal of ours because not everybody has a theater to go uh, watch something in or a, a, a a school to go take a class in. So making that manual was important to us to give the next guy from Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, a way of getting that education without having to move to LA. Something you, you asked what the future of the UCB is. That is something we're currently working on is, uh, online classes, wait, wait, very tangible ways to teach people in the middle of the country. So that is something we're moving towards right now. Um, moving out of the country, our manual isn't available outside the United States, making it available outside the United States, doing workshops because improv is becoming more popular and spreading to other countries. Uh, so that is very much a current goal of ours is, if you can't be in Chicago, L.A. or New York, how do you learn this stuff? Or, you know, the big city of your state, you should still be able to learn this stuff 
without and eventually you do have to move to LA or New York you know uh, if you really want to get into TV and film but I do think you can pursue it before you move there I want to tell you that sincerely and I hope you see it in me I am so grateful that you came here and this was an incredible incredible interview for thanks me. barry well i love talking comedy so anytime i love talking comedy a lot of people would rather just hear the comedy itself but i i love the behind the scenes and the workings of it i love it it it's my passion as much as doing it so i love doing this thanks Charles. thank you so much man thanks brother Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on JG17X, April 3rd, 2019. Heading reads, perfect podcast, five stars. And the comment reads, couldn't be any better. All right, a short but sweet one. Thank you so much, JG17X. You are a winner. And that wraps up our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. If you do stand-up, what, three to five times a week, right, as an open micer, you get up you get up three to five times a week, or even just once a week for a year, right? Guess what? You're a comic. You might be a bad comic. You might be a bad open mic comic, right? But you're a comic, you know, right? You can go, you can show up here to Just for Laughs and people go, oh yeah, that's that shitty open mic comic from Philly, right? Like you, you have at least that status because you're doing it. You're actually in the arena. Uh, and so that's, that's the core of my advice is just like get out there and fucking do it. And, and everything that you think you know about it will be demolished as soon as you actually start doing it. 
As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money Drop that fancy car All the people love you Cause you're going far Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over So it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley A fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.